This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. When you are pioneering anything or introducing new ideas to the culture, you get criticized. You do? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that? <laughs> I didn't find the one. I found someone I respected and we made it the one. In a sort of longing kind of view of love, people understand each other as if by magic. Nothing in itself is addictive on the one hand. On the other hand, everything could be addictive if there's an emptiness in that person that needs to be filled. I now know that nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Here we go. Today's guest is integrative dietitian Esther Blum. Esther is a menopause expert, and for the past 27 years, she's helped women master menopause through nutrition, hormonal balance, and self-advocacy. Her new book, which is out in October, is called See You Later, Ovulator. Today, Esther walks us through her approach for treating women during menopause. I loved hearing her nutrition-based perspective on perimenopause and menopause and her advice on different treatment options, lifestyle recommendations, and ways to advocate for yourself through the process. There is a dearth of conversation and information when it comes to this phase of our lives. I hope many of you will find Esther's advice as invaluable and reassuring as I did. Let's get to Esther Blum. I found my menopause mentor. <laughs> Not only am I a mentor, but I'm also a member of the <laughs> menopause club. Yeah, we're all in this together. As you say in the book, is it 1.2 billion women will be in menopause by 2030 or in the year 2030? And we're embarrassed yeah. to ask basic questions about like, is this normal? Why do I feel this way? So can we start a little bit with the precursor to menopause, which is perimenopause, which can start in your 30s? Is that right? Yeah, perimenopause. I have had one of my clients went through menopause when she was 28. People can go through early menopause with trauma as well, death of a family member, abuse, sexual abuse. But for the most part, women tend to be in their 40s. The average age of menopause is 51. Okay. But that means a lot of women in their 40s are definitely going to start to see the signs and symptoms of perimenopause. So perimenopause means you're still getting your cycles. You may start to see irregularity. You may see that 
you know, your flow gets heavier, like your estrogen, you, you have period days where you just get these surges or clots and more and more fatigued and like your PMS just worsens and the symptoms really intensify more and more irritable and like less reserves at the end of the day. So that's where, where I am now. I'm in perimenopause. Sometimes I will skip a whole month. Like I'll have a 60 day cycle. And then what happened to me last time I had a 60 day cycle, meaning I completely skipped a period. And then I had a 20 day cycle where I literally thought I was bleeding to death and honestly almost thought like, do I need to go to urgent care? And I had no one to call to say, is this normal? So what happens is in perimenopause and really this is the the big difference between the two is menopause is a year consecutively without a period. Right. So you're not in menopause until you haven't had a period for one year. That's correct. But that doesn't mean that you can't start treating it. Like my whole philosophy is you start treating in perimenopause so that the ride is less bumpy because estrogen levels can vary up to 30% a day with perimenopause. And so a lot of doctors will say, I don't want to test you. I don't want to treat you until, you know, your levels are evened out. That's absolutely untrue. And so someone like you would really benefit from, I mean, A, testing, so we don't guess and we could talk about the testing, but B, you know, progesterone, the last two weeks of your cycle, given orally as like a bioidentical dissolvable tablet can really oppose that estrogen and prevent it from running rampant and help take off the edginess and the moodiness, but most importantly, control the blood flow right. during your perimenopausal time. Okay. So let's talk about treating this time in a woman's life in general. So I was fascinated in the book around the links between gut health and estrogen imbalance and general menopause symptoms or perimenopause symptoms. What is it that a leaky gut or a gut with dysbiosis, like why does that cause hormonal dysregulation? Mm. The microbiome is kind of the whole four pounds of billions of bacteria that live in a healthy intestinal tract. There is a subset of those bacteria called the estrobolome that really help you metabolize and process estrogen. And if you have a lot of inflammation or your gut is not able to remove estrogen, you know, that's actually phase three. There's many phases of detoxification. Phase one and two are in the liver, phase three is in the gut. And so what happens is I see a lot of women who keep reabsorbing estrogen into the gut. So they're not excreting it properly. Estrogen needs to actually, hormones need to be like a running river where, you know, you either ingest them post-menopause or perimenopause or make them and then poop them out. A lot of women are very constipated. You know, they have a lot of inflammation in the gut and that causes, there's an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase. And if it stays elevated, right, you have to help bind it so it can be excreted and you have to poop every day so that your body can eliminate the excess estrogen. Because what happens also in perimenopause is your estrogen levels can be low, but your progesterone levels are really low, which it sounds like is happening to you. And so you have a relative estrogen dominance. 
And so when you add in progesterone and help your body naturally clean out and detox estrogen, then you feel much better and your symptoms get much better. So the healthier your gut is going into menopause, the easier your menopause transition will be Mm -hmm. for sure. And what do you recommend? Like, what is the eating protocol for, especially if people are kind of in an acute situation, right? It's like, we all know that we shouldn't have processed foods and sugar and lots of dairy and gluten, you know, as a baseline, that's hard to do 365 days of the year. (laughs) But if someone is kind of like thrown into this and it's quite acute, right? And they're being ravaged by hot flashes. What do you recommend as the protocol to really try to reset the gut, like in the acute phase of this? Yeah. Well, definitely eliminating a couple of things first. Sorry, people don't hate me for saying this, but like caffeine and booze are really huge hot flash triggers. I had a client today and she's like, I don't know what's going on. My hot flashes are so bad in the last week or two. And I was like, how's your caffeine intake? And she's like, oh my God, I started drinking iced coffees again. I'm traveling. I was like, there you go. So caffeine and alcohol really do a number on your, on your body and can trigger hot flashes big time, but getting optimal protein. So protein is so essential for balancing your blood sugar. Hot flashes can also be triggered by poor blood sugar And if your blood sugar drops in the middle of the night, your insulin lowers and your cortisol spikes up and then boom, voila, there's a hot flash at three in the morning. What is a hot flash? What is biologically happening during those? It is a bottoming out of your estrogen levels. Your estrogen, it's like a roller coaster. It can, it can spike or it can bottom out. And it's a correlation with your nervous system that triggers the hot flash, which I, I've only been hot. I have not had the flash, but you know, my clients will tell me it's like this inner heat, this flush. And some people get a full body hot flash and they're drenched, but a lot of women tend to get from the neck up Mm -hmm. and they just, they feel this inner fire, just this inner heat. And it's not like standing in front of a fan will help because it's inside and they can last for, you know, 30 seconds. They can last for five to 10 minutes. Is your body trying to push something out? Is it trying to signal to you? Like, what is the evolutionary purpose of a hot flash? That is a great question. I don't think there's a purpose to it. I think it's just a byproduct of, you know, really wildly fluctuating estrogen levels. But that being said, you know, really supporting your liver is helpful too when your estrogen's moving through more efficiently. That's really helpful. So getting optimal protein and by optimal, I mean, one gram per pound of your ideal body weight. So let's say you're five, four, your ideal body weight's 120, you know, it's getting 120 grams of protein. The average woman, it's like four to six ounces at a meal, right? And it's animal protein or ideally animal protein, the essential amino acids in there contribute to you building healthy muscle mass. That plant protein, it's it's a far less efficient conversion. You have to eat, you know, six cups of quinoa to get the protein in a four ounce chicken breast. So I recommend the animal protein. It could be red meat. It could be chicken, turkey, fish, eggs, cottage cheese. If you do well with dairy, whey protein, pea protein, all of those are great 
options for you. Also, you want to think about getting in cruciferous vegetables because these naturally help your body metabolize and excrete estrogen. So the brassica family, things like Brussels sprouts, radishes, cauliflower, broccoli, all of those, but certainly artichokes. I mean, there's no bad vegetables, but the cruciferous ones are particularly helpful. And when women are not doing well on estrogen or want to start hormones, but I look at their detox pathways and they're not solid, I put them on you know, a concentrate of kale and Brussels sprouts. And that really, really helps mm. move hormones through. And when you say you look at their detox pathways before you put them on a protocol, tell me about that. Yes. Some of the testing I do in practice, I do stool testing to look at your microbiome and figure out if you're reabsorbing estrogen there or not. But I also do what's called the Dutch test. It's a dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. Mm -hmm. So it tells me your production of hormones. It tells me how you're metabolizing them through the liver and through the gut. And I also can look at what are called your methylation pathways. And this is how your body will eliminate and process your hormones. And that's a blood test? No, it's a urine test. And okay. you do these all at home. It's, we're going to get you so hooked up, girl. It's, I'm very excited. About your that. life is going to be so much better, but it, but it's amazing because blood tests are great. I believe in blood tests for like retesting hormones once you're on them, but the Dutch test is a real time-lapse. You take five urine samples over the course, you know, from 5 PM to 8 AM the next morning. And so it really tells you everything from your cortisol levels, what your cortisol curve looks like. Do you have a normal sleep wake cycle? Are you pumping out tons of cortisol at night mm -hmm. and rocking the hot flashes? And it tells me about the neurotransmitters in your brain too. Like, are you making dopamine and serotonin? Are you making melatonin? You know, a lot of women make a lot less melatonin as they age and we suffer from insomnia. So melatonin mm -hmm. is really, really crucial. Right. Yeah. Right. Especially for sleeping. So, especially for sleeping. So the Dutch test tells me, you know, are you a candidate for hormones is now, can we start bringing in some progesterone during your perimenopausal years? And, you know, stress management plays a huge role in this too, because hormones are driven from the top down. So if you're super stressed out, which please, who isn't, we all have like teenagers and aging parents at this point, you are right in the trenches there. And so you know, of course your progesterone is going to bottom out. It's just, it, it's telling your body don't ovulate. Now, this is really not a great time for you to have a baby because your stress is so overwhelming and your ovaries are conking out. Right. So adding some in is a really nice buffer to offset all the so symptoms you're having. Let's talk about that because there are a lot of women who are afraid to take bioidentical hormones, or I guess not all hormones are created equal, right? So I would yes. love to ask you about that first. And then if you could just talk a little bit about, you know, this idea that, you know, hormone replacement is carcinogenic, you increase your, you know, risk of certain cancers. If you take hormones, I've heard some people say, no, no, you, you, you should start during menopause and go all the way through past menopause for bone density and all these other things. And then, you know, some people say, oh my gosh, I would never take anything like that. That wasn't natural. So I would love to hear your opinion. Yes. So this all, all the fear and concern about the dangers, I'm putting dangers in quotes, the dangers of hormone replacement were based on an old study called the women's health initiative that used the urine of pregnant horses 
on menopausal women. That is not exactly bioidentical to a, a female physiology, the last time I checked. And the big problem with the study is that the data was completely flubbed and not accurate. And was it not only discovered that hormones do not cause cancer, but that they can actually be quite beneficial in preventing Alzheimer's disease, cardiovascular disease, and osteoporosis. So it's a, it's a criminal disservice for women that they are being scared to death about hormones because the benefits far outweigh the risk. In 2018 and 2022, the North American Menopause Society revamped its position statement and said, gee whiz, you know, that data was really flawed and flubbed. And not only is hormone replacement safe, for long-term use, but it's encouraged and can really enhance a woman's quality of life. Mm. Now, it's really imperative that you work with a practitioner, and ideally this is someone in the functional medicine field, you're just gonna get a lot less static from your doctor. If you go into someone who already drinks the Kool-Aid and does this day in and day out, but you certainly can get hormones prescribed from a regular doctor, an OBGYN, an internist, you know, a, a neurologist could technically prescribe hormones, but you do want to work with someone who is going to prescribe hormones and monitor your trajectory. Because once you start hormones, you do need to get your blood checked every couple of months. You want to make sure your estrogen levels are optimal for bone density. You want to make sure your testosterone is good. And women do need testosterone. I promise no one's going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger on testosterone. Okay. What about hair loss with testosterone? The dosages you're on are not dosages of that, of a bodybuilder, you know, shooting up the juice. The other thing I want people to understand about hormones is postmenopausally, you're going on the dosage that is like a fifth of a birth control pill. Okay. I'm not putting you on the same hormones as you were on when you're twenties and thirties. This is just to get you above that rock bottom baseline and increase your quality of life. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com host. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. What does testosterone do for a woman? If a woman is suffering from X, you give her testosterone. See if her testosterone is low. Libido is a big one energy, muscle mass. Women lose a lot of muscle mass after menopause because your hormones aren't supporting it or, you know, women want to lose weight and start really restricting their calories and their protein and they lose 
muscle mass. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So testosterone is incredibly beneficial. And how about estrogen? Yes. So estrogen is amazing for stopping hot flashes and also for maintaining neuroplasticity in the brain, meaning it's going to help your cognitive function. There are so many great research studies about estrogen helping to prevent Alzheimer's. I, I put them in the back of my book. So you can do the research and show your doctor and be like, look, dude, the research is here. I've got this. I've really covered my bases. Mm -hmm. And estrogen also helps you stay asleep. Progesterone helps you fall asleep. Progesterone is very calming. Progesterone is like the chill pill, right? And it just takes that edge off that meno rage that we get where we're like, I'm going to fucking kill you. (laughs) My entire family, I'm like, oh my God, like... I joke that progesterone is what enables me to not throw my 15 year old out of the house because sometimes you're just like, I'm so done. I'm so done. (laughs) Estrogen also prevents vaginal dryness. Right. So hello. um, So let's talk about delivery systems. That's what I was. That was my next question. Patch, cream, pill, suppository. I'm going to have you shoving it in and up every orifice in your body, (laughs) slathering it up. Remember in Sex in the City when Samantha was like putting wild yams on her face? I was like, I get it. I get it. I really do. So yes, estrogen patch is great. It's a real consistent delivery system. Progesterone, you can take it orally prescription form in a form called Prometrium, okay? Or you can take it as a trochee, or it's really toche in French, but we Americans butcher the pronunciation. But the benefit of a troche versus Prometrium is under the tongue. Yeah. Troches under the tongue, troches and patches and topical transdermal. So progestin, synthetic progestins do not have the same biological effect as progesterone. So that means it's going to be harder to really get those dopamine receptors happy and those GABA receptors happy in the brain, which gives you that calm feeling, helps you fall asleep at night, helps you feel much more relaxed and less edgy. So the quality of what you get matters. And it it drives me nuts when women go to their doctors with menopausal symptoms and their doctors are like, here's a prescription for the pill or an IUD. We have to break that down for a yeah, second because this, this happened recently to a friend of mine who was having like pretty severe pa- perimenopausal symptoms and she was bleeding super hard and her doctor put her on the birth control pill. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Because they want to stabilize your hormones during this time to kind of blunt that rocky estrogen issue. They want to blunt the effect of the roller coaster. However, right. I always say like menopause is not a contraceptive deficiency. You need birth control during perimenopause and birth control pills are great for that. But Birth control pills have been shown clinically to decrease hot flashes and of course the mental health changes that come with menopause. Menopause is a time when a lot of women go through anxiety and depression and a lot of doctors want to put their patients on birth control pills to kind of control and quell these massive estrogen surges that you're getting. However, birth control pills are designed to suppress ovulation and suppress your progesterone levels. Well, women going through perimenopause are already experiencing rock bottom progesterone, which leads to anxiety, horrible insomnia, potential weight gain. So the last thing you want to do is further that. 
this is a time to actually replenish your hormones and not suppress them. Got it. Okay. So you don't recommend birth control for treating menopause or perimenopausal symptoms. That's correct. I recommend a lifestyle and diet, right? You cannot, you know, out hormone your lifestyle, right? So having a sleep schedule, managing your stress, getting daily movement in, eating really good quality food and plenty of protein and veggies, mm-hmm. all of that is going to impact you. But then once you've done those pieces, yes, start adding in progesterone. And guess what? Like I'm living proof. I'm 52. I skip cycles here and there. Now my cycles are spraying out to five weeks. My doctor started me on a little bias cream, which is a topical estrogen cream because I'm not yet candidate for the patch, right. but you know, and it's like, I don't have hot flashes. I sleep better than I have slept in years. And my mental energy and my stamina is so much better. You're just taking progesterone at the moment and eating a, a very clean diet, lots of protein, like a paleo sort of protein and veggies yeah. thing. Yes. And I do, I eat starches from, you know, gluten-free starches, potatoes, sweet potatoes, rice, but okay. I do a progesterone trochee at night, like a hundred milligrams at night, and then some topical biased cream. During What's the that? Day. So it's estrogen, it's topical estrogen cream. Okay. It's also bioidentical. Now here's the other piece I'm about to add in is I'm noticing the vag situation is totally on fuego right now. And so I am going to be adding in vaginal estrogen. When you say on fuego, you mean like it burning dryness, painful sex, because what happens is your vaginal walls thin out. You lose a lot of moisture and hydration when the vaginal walls thin. A lot of women also have a lot of pelvic floor issues, bladder incontinence. Estrogen can totally reverse that situation. Wow. Really? Really. And it's low dose. Like women who have gone through cancer treatments and are deathly afraid of estrogen, you know, the vaginal estrogen is a microdose. The levels in your blood do not change when you're using vaginal estrogen. So it's really just a wonderful addition into the mix. Is it a suppository? Yep. There are creams. There are little suppositories. There's all sorts of ways. That's been helping you. I've got to start it. That is like, I'm, that is literally on my to-do list with my doctor, but let's say that you are like, absolutely not. I don't want any hormones in my body. How do I treat the vaginal situation and the dryness and the painful sex and the atrophy? There's laser treatments too. There's absolute laser treatments that you can do that also restore hydration and collagen. The laser will restore hydration. Well, the laser rebuilds your collagen and then hydration. Mm-hmm. Can come what laser is this? There's ones called FemTouch. There's one called the Mona Lisa. In my book, I put in all the places where you can look for doctors who treat women with laser treatments. They were getting all the, all the goods here today. We are vag-tastic. <laughs> <laughs> the wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. 
Can I please ask you about weight gain that is happening no matter how much I exercise and how good I am with my food? In the book, you call it the menopot, I uh -huh. think. The menopot, yeah. So that is kind of the perfect storm of elevated cortisol. It's the drop in estrogen and progesterone really prompts a lot of insulin resistance and cortisol that can either be too elevated or actually too low. And also, you know, losing estrogen and progesterone can change your body composition and can contribute to and testosterone and can contribute to muscle loss. So basically, and ladies like, listen, the situation is reversible. Okay. But during this time, yes, it can be a little tricky. It may not be as easy to lose weight during perimenopause as it is to lose during menopause when everything is more stable. It's a much uh, more controlled experiment. That's, that's when like intermittent fasting really works a lot better. Lower carb can work a lot better. But yes, during perimenopause, it can be tricky. And then to add insult to injury, when you first start hormone replenishment, it can take your body a good three months to adjust. You can gain like my boobs, like, oh my God, they went up a size, you know, those first couple months on just even the progesterone. I was like, oh dear Lord, I do not want this. I'm rocking a D already. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and then after about three, it's like, whatever, whatever reason, three seems to be the magic number and the body adjusts and things really settled. So I would say, again, really be careful with your carbs. People are going to raise their eyebrows when they hear this, but eating carbs at night can be far more beneficial for body composition and weight loss because A, you sleep better when you have big carb bomb at night. And I mean, like a cup of rice has like about 40 grams of carbs. So that's a nice amount. You sleep much better. And when you sleep better, it repairs your insulin uh. receptors much more effectively. So, so, so does blood sugar play a role in this? Like, do you ever put those, you know, I see so many people, I just had tried one for two weeks just for fun, like a, a continuous glucose monitor to understand like, yeah. where's my resting blood sugar. Is that something that you factor into your data collection and practice? Yes, I use, it's a fantastic tool to use in practice to really understand how your body is reacting to carbs at different times? How does your body react to exercise? What are your sugars like in the morning after a really poor night's sleep? The Oura Ring or Aura Ring? Aura okay. Ring, yeah, I've got yeah, one. Yeah, you've got one. So you track your sleep with that, right? Yes. And so what's your sleep like right now? My sleep is insanely good. Like that's the one thing that like so far, knock on wood, I mean, I sleep like eight, nine hours a night. That's awesome. But I'm, I'm, I'm worried it will change. You know, my mom, actually my mom's been sleeping better now, but she, she stopped sleeping very well in menopause for many, many years. Like she would wake up at four in the morning or what you also say seems to be like a time that a lot of women tend to wake up four in the morning. Yes. They either wake up with a hot flash at three or four and can't fall back asleep or just wake up and can't fall back asleep and are wide awake. And again, sometimes that is blood sugar imbalance where your blood sugar drops and your cortisol shoots up and your cortisol is meant to get you up in the morning. It's how we get up out of bed, but just 4am is really too early for that, in my opinion. Yeah. So hormones come into play, diet comes into play, right? That's why drinking is so problematic because your liver 
is trying to detox alcohol at the same time it's trying to detox hormones so mm. guess what alcohol wins and so your sleep is very disruptive also you know caffeine clearance is reduced like some people don't clear caffeine for a good 24 hours after they have it it seems like our tolerance to it mm -hmm. drops so do you not drink coffee i personally do not i drink a drink called four sigmatic perform yeah of course yeah so that is my drug of choice and do you drink alcohol ever i certainly do i am like <laughs> If I had my druthers breath, I'd be a smoking heavy drinker. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> I love it. But again, I'm judicious because I know it's not doing me any favors. It's certainly not doing my body composition any favors. Like alcohol, you know, puts the pause on fat burning for about four days after and makes your thyroid really sluggish. So if you really are wanting to lose weight, it's helpful to clear it out. And it, it's helpful to clear it out once you start hormones too, because alcohol does raise your circulating estrogen levels. Mm -hmm. When you do a drink, what do you drink? Vodka or gin. Those are my so a white, a clear spirit, a clear spirit. What about you? You're a wine girl, wine lover. I mean, I uh, theoretically, but I, I really, I don't have wine a lot. I feel like between the sugar and the yeast, I had yeast in my gut for many, many years and I finally cleared the candida. And so I'm reluctant to go too heavy into the wine, but I probably have a drink once a week, one drink every week or every 10 days, I would say. And that's a big change for me because I used to drink a lot more than that, like one or two glasses of wine. I mean, there were times when I drank seven nights a week, you know, so especially during the pandemic, but I was noticing too, that I started to get some hot flashes right before I went really clean with my diet and went paleo. And I have not had one since. So it's been almost two years that I have not ha experienced one hot flash. And I think that's probably to do with this, you know, getting my gut in slightly better shape. Right. Totally. Totally. And balancing your blood sugar. The beauty is like, there's no secret, right? Yeah. It's all, it's all there for you, but yeah, menopause. I mean, it's a great time to like play with your carbs and play and say, all right, if I have a drink once a week, will that mess me up? No. Okay. Carry on. Does it mess me up and cause me to lose sleep? Maybe we should reevaluate that and think yeah. about some calming herbs and tinctures, but you know, and some lemon balm before bed and magnesium. I do that too. I drink like a calcium, magnesium, like algae, weird tasting thing, but I'm <laughs> let your fleet freak flag fly girl, Thank whatever you. works, whatever works. <laughs> Speaking of magnesium, say somebody really does not want to go on hormones for whatever reason. Are there herbs and supplements that people can take to get through it? I remember my my beloved doctor in LA, she, when, when I was getting very preliminary, you know, she put me on something called Menno breeze, which is like some kind of supplement. So, which was helpful for a while. So I don't know if there are things you recommend. Maca is a really wonderful supplement that nourishes the adrenals and really, really helps with hot flashes, like the clinical research on it. Yeah, and okay. the, the reduction in hot flashes is 
really quite solid. And we have to remember, you know, in menopause, right, we switch our from an ovarian production of hormones to an adrenal production. And so the adrenals really carry the brunt of our stress. So maca supports the adrenals. I mm. love adaptogenic herbs. Yeah. I'm sure you are familiar with these, but ashwagandha, cassandra, holy basil, all of those are wonderful adaptogenic herbs. Licorice can also be great if someone has really low cortisol and just they're not even getting a curve. Mm -hmm. Licorice raises and sustains cortisol and it's sadly not Twizzlers licorice, it's the herbal licorice. Those herbs are great. And also things that help you sleep at night are going to nourish your adrenals during the day. So magnesium, and I love magnesium glycinate. This is a form of magnesium that is very specific to anxiety. So magnesium glycinate is my go-to recommendation and it's great for fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, and you can take higher doses and it won't cause loose stools, but you can also keep topical magnesium by the bedside. So if you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't fall back asleep, you just rub it like on the insides of your elbows and behind your knees. And then I also use a product called cortisol manager to knock down nighttime cortisol it has magnolia in it and a lot mm. of ashwagandha that's a really good one cortisol manager yeah i think it's by integrative therapeutics i'm gonna get that it's a good one no financial ties people i'm just telling you what i use but, <laughs> <laughs> we're just getting the hot tips over here you're just getting the hot tips and then you know melatonin's worth exploring i don't think everyone needs to take it. melatonin i don't see everyone needs it on their lab test but it's worth a shot because my goodness if you melatonin is so high in antioxidants it's actually a really amazing nutrient so if you can try it and if it helps you by all means take it but right. you you can improve your melatonin production by getting off screens at night you know at least an hour before bed because that blue light doesn't help your brain make melatonin right right blocks it yeah can we talk a little bit about one section of your book that you touched on early this the earlier the sort of medical gaslighting part because I mean, I am extremely lucky because I have access to amazing functional doctors who are thinking about all of the stuff in very broad ways. They're approaching this with curiosity. They're constantly educating themselves, reading new research. They're open to ideas. If I, you know, call them and say, I read about this and they're like, okay, let's talk through it. You know, they're not dismissive, which is great. Even though sometimes the things are crazy, maybe, but that is not typical, right? So I have like, for example, my friend that I told you about who was experiencing bad symptoms and was put on birth control. A lot of times you go to the doctor and like, I don't feel right. This I'm just off. And they say, but your labs look fine. Everything is normal. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe, maybe you you're anxious or you're stressed out. So what are some tools that women can arm themselves with or, you know, some research to, to say, you know, no, actually I want to advocate for myself. Like my labs might read fine, but I know I'm not fine. That's right. First of all, women, I mean, please, we know our body. We know when the wind blows differently. We, we are finely attuned, intuitive, whole, fully realized creatures and souls who absolutely know and I don't think there's a person out there who hasn't been 
dismissed or gaslit and unless you're profoundly lucky but we've all been dismissed on some level at some point yeah my favorite story is when i had really bad insomnia one of my doctors gave me a copy of the kabbalah and told me to put it under my pillow and handed me a xanax prescription and it turned out well, if had- one doesn't work the other's gonna work right? <laughs> I was like, this is going to be perfect writing fodder. And it turned out, you know, I had Lyme disease and mold toxicity. So oh, like, you're kidding. Yeah. And I was like, dude, and it took me a long time to find the right doctor who was like, dude, this is what you got. Let's test you, you know? So a, you, sometimes you do have to switch doctors. If somebody is like, it's all in your head. Or if you go to your doctor and you say, I'm having hot flashes, vaginal dryness and brain fog and no libido and I've gained 10 pounds overnight. And they yeah. pat you on the shoulder like, well, that's just menopause. No, yeah. run, find a new doctor. Or if they say, here's a prescription for the pill, find a new doctor. This isn't a doctor who's going to support you, save yourself time and money. It's sometimes it's not worth the fight. Right. It's better to find a doctor who will. And you can call their office and say, I'm going through perimenopause. I want to explore bioidentical hormones. What have you got? You can also go to a website called ifm.org. That's the Institute for Functional Medicine.org. And you look for, not every practitioner there is a doctor. Do you need to look for a doctor? Call the office and say, do you handle bioidentical hormones? I would like to start. Nine out of 10 times, and usually 10 out of 10, especially if you're paying out of pocket, you will find a doctor who can get you started and do the appropriate testing. You can also work with, you know, a functional medicine dietitian who does the Dutch test, the GI map, but we cannot prescribe. That's the only problem. Right. I can recommend, but I can't bust out the prescription. Right. Right. But the medical gaslighting thing is real. And the New York times just did a really great piece. I know. I I read that. It was great. It was so great. We've been talking about that at Goop and writing about that for a long time. And I'm, I'm so happy to see it kind of coming into mainstream thinking. Yes. And, and, and to that end, what I thought they really did so well in that article was talking about bringing an advocate with you and like how to ask questions, how to ask your doctor questions and having someone there who can support you through the process. Cause it's intimidating to question yeah. a doctor for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of doctors don't want to be questioned and they'll say hormones are unsafe. Hormones cause cancer and their pamphlets haven't been updated to in, in their offices. They're scaring mm-hmm. the hell out of women. So I think I'm so grateful for your platform Gwyneth, because I feel like when more and more people with a platform like yours speak out, and start teaching women to go and ask your doctor. The more women, imagine if every woman asked their doctor this and the doctor eight hours a day heard, how about this? Help me with hormones, help me with menopause. Then I think that's how the trajectory will shift because medical schools are slow to change the curriculum right now. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting, right? Even just the the mind gut axis was considered so fringe, you know, 15 years ago. And now it's like axiom, you know, everybody is kind of all the major medical schools subscribe to that thinking. What about chronic health stuff? Like the fulcrum of, as you say, Lyme, mold toxicity, Mm -hmm. you know, autoimmune stuff when it meets perimenopause, you know, how, how does that impact us? 
you definitely need to prioritize first. So for example, I will use my bestie as an example. She has wicked, wicked Hashimoto's, right? That caused her to take a leave of absence from her job because mm-hmm. it was so poorly controlled. Her anxiety and fatigue was so extreme. And she's also going through hot flashes and menopause. And, you know, and, and we were talking about I'm her advocate with her doctor. And we were like, let's just slay one dragon at a time, right? First, you stabilize your thyroid medication. Then we will slowly add in hormones when you're ready. But throwing too many things in the kitchen at once and in the mixing pot at once sometimes is also overwhelming. So you really do have to work with a practitioner who knows. I know for me, I go to the brilliant Tom Moorcroft and he, we first treated the mold, then we treated the lime, then we did the hormone piece. We did not do all at once. How did, how did you get treated for the mold? Ah, well, I did two home remediations. So exciting. I put like the the most (laughs) like thankless money you've ever spent visually, but the best for your health, right? That's right. It was the greatest investment because it gave me my brain back to write the book. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I remediated, we put in a massive dehumidifier system. We replaced ducts, ripped up flooring, and I have like beautiful air filters and have like the cleanest air and my mold is gone. Now we retested and, but I had to, cause it was like, if you don't get rid of this mold, you're not going to get rid of your lime. You just won't even make a dent. So we did for the mold. It was nasal sprays. It was binders. I still am taking my binders of charcoal and zeolite clay. And I took medication. There's a cholesterol lowering drug called cholestyramine and the bile acids bind the mold and pull it out. And then Lyme, we did herbs because my Lyme was so chronic and I had Bartonella and we're still, you pulse off and on the herbs. And now I get to start treating my three gut infections that I've had, but just didn't respond to the mold. So I'm actually thrilled to be at this juncture. I'm like, because to me, the worst is over, you know, getting rid, treating the Lyme was not pretty, but, but so you hercs? I don't hercs. I just was so, so, so exhausted. Like my cortisol curve was flat. I couldn't work out and lift for years. Yeah. Uh, I could walk. I just couldn't do anything else. Or I would be just literally fall asleep after for hours and like dead for two days. And how long was that phase of healing. It's been a year so far, but it took me, I was sick for so many years. I mean, this is really long, but it's, listen, I have no question in my mind. Like this was my path, like God or whomever the universe was like, I know this is going to suck for a while, but you're going to help a lot of people along the way. So, and it's, it really has enabled me to help a lot of people along the way or refer them to the right doctors. I can't always help. Some people come to me. I'm like, you really need this doctor, but they're like, thank God. Cause now I can really spot when someone is mold and Lyme, like you need the testing and the testing needs to be really good quality. Cause I took three Lyme tests before this one, two were negative and one was inconclusive. And it wasn't until I worked with a Lyme expert who was like, these are the tests you need. What were the tests that you needed? What were they called? I believe one was Galaxy. It was a Lyme test. And the other was like a urine test for mold. And I had to do an ERMI test for my home. It's E-R-M-I. And 
I mean, the message I want to leave people with is that there's really nothing in your body that cannot be healed when you're treated properly, mm -hmm. right? When, and to look at the whole picture and really work with a doctor who listens to you, who partners with you, and really put the tools in place for you to be able to care for yourself. I, I think the biggest challenge in all of this is women who are caring for their families, who are working and putting themselves last. And there comes a time, I think menopause is a gorgeous time to get very loud, to lose the filter and be like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I, mom comes first right now. And, you know, it's, it's really a very important time to learn to speak up for yourself and advocate for yourself because no one is ever going to say, here's all this money to invest in your healthcare. And here's yeah. all this time to take. No, you just have to say, this is what I'm going to do. So I really need your support. I don't need your permission. I need your support because I'm giving myself permission to go after what I need. And that I feel like is a really important piece to healing. And the most successful women I work with are the ones who are like, I'm going to get it. I don't care if I've got to sell the rights to my firstborn child. <laughs> I'm going to heal my body and figure this out. And that is really a very important piece in the journey. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Esther Blum. Her book, See You Later, Ovulator, is out in October. For more resources, head to estherblum.com slash cocktail to download her Happy Hormone Cocktail Guide and be sure to pre-order her book. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. I hope you'll listen, follow, rate, and review all of our episodes, which are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts.